Well, he said youthful speaker, but you got me instead. Although I was feeling like a youthful speaker, so I feel kind of like it's confirmation. Another youthful speaker there. Lola, is there anything more awkward than having to stand up while everyone sings happy birthday to you? The only thing I could think of is the guy asking you from up here, is it awkward? In front of the people. That, yeah, she's like, yes. Happy birthday, Lola. Oh, Wyatt told me not to run around. He's doing the camera. That's why he's saying that. But I was tempted just to start running. Of course, then you're like, what's going on with that fella? Well, good morning. Let's pray to get this on track here. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for who you are, what you've done, and what you continue to do in our lives. I just pray this morning that you just remove me and you speak. I pray that your spirit is the one that is heard and that I'm merely a vessel to, to say what you want said and that the ears are ready to hear what you have and that we can all gain and learn more about you through this morning. So I thank you and I praise you. And it's your name we come together. Amen. So, last week's message referenced Peter a couple times. And I've got to say, Peter is my favorite character of all scripture. Not just because of the joke that Peter gets us all into heaven, because Peter's Peter. But I think we can all relate. Every person can relate to Peter in some way. Uh, I, I can't say that I can relate to every apostle, apostle in, the, in the scriptures necessarily, um, but I can relate to Peter more ways than one. Uh, last year, we did an Easter play, great Easter play. Charlie did an incredible job. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would say go back. It's on the video. Go back and watch it. It's really good. Uh, even though I was in it, I can say that still, right? It's not, not arrogant, right? I don't... Yeah, see, Jim knows, see... I don't know if Charlie did this on purpose, but I was chosen as Peter. <laughs> I don't know if that was Charlie saying, yes, when he thought of Peter, he thought of Adam. Or if it was God saying, hey, Charlie, Adam should be Peter because that's who God thinks about. But either way, it worked. Um, and I played a good Peter <laughs> because I get it. I understand him. So I, I just want to talk a little bit about leading up to Easter. Easter's in a couple of weeks. Look at Peter, you know. Leading up to that, um, we're going to go to Mark 14, verse 27, if you want to go there. And then I'm going to skip to the next section, and you'll make, it'll make sense here. So Mark 14, verse 27. So they've just, back up here. So they've just had the feast. Judas takes off, beginning his betrayal. And then we're going to look into... Peter's betrayal. Verse 27, and if you will, if you stand while we read, if you can, if not, no pressure, no judgment. I'm not even going to look up, so I won't see you anyways. Verse 27 says, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all Fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, well, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. 
And they all said the same. Now skip down to verse 66. In fact, I'm going to change versions and we'll tell you why in a moment. New King James here. It says, now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and says, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them. For you're a Galilean and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Then he thought about it, and he wept. You may be seated. I'm going to refer back to that a lot, but I want to go through that. So, both Judas and Peter betrayed Jesus. Judas was intentional. It was planned, right? He had a setup. He had a plan. He got the money. There was something he had laid out. Peter's was reactionary. Right? He was fearful for his life. And so he reacted in a certain way for self-preservation. It's easy for us to say, I would never intentionally, I would never plan. I would never sell out. Right? It, all of us can easily say, you know, in the, in, in the wrong moment, right moment, I could be reactionary and react in a certain way. And I think that's why it's easier to, to understand Peter's. Peter's was deceptive, right? He was trying to deceive. It had no immediate consequences on the trial like Judas's did. Judas is literally led to, to the trial. Peter's didn't, but it led to personal torment. And it wasn't until after resurrection that Peter was restored. And we will talk about that. So a little background of Peter. We all kind of know this, but it's just good to have a, a little history lesson or memory. Peter was a fisherman. What does that mean? He was rough. He was a little vile. He, he cursed. He still cursed after spending years with Jesus. He was still a cursing man. Um, he's what I would call a man's man. And I think that's okay. I'll take a man's man. Um, oh. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. I'm just going to say that. There's either masculinity or they're toxic. But if they're toxic, they're not masculine. If they're masculine, they're not toxic. That has nothing to do with what I'm preaching today, but that gets me fired up. Because I hate this feminization of men. And try to say that if a man's a man's man, even in the rough edges, that there's something wrong with him and there's not. Does Jesus need to refine a lot of a lot of us? I was going to say men. Yeah, us, sure. But it doesn't take away that there's nothing wrong with a man's man. Jesus went and took, got a bunch of them. I mean, wasn't this a, the whole 12 of them? They're, they're rascals. They're nuts. They're crazy. And that's who he picked. He said, these are the guys I want. Not just, you'll do. They weren't guys that he thought, well, I need 12. I need, you know, I have... I have some openings, maybe, maybe, you know. No, he said, you, come with me. I'll make you a fisherman. He chose them, picked them out, 
knew who, knew who he wanted beforehand. James and John were called the sons of thunder. I love that. They were men, man. They were crazy. Uh, Peter was, we mentioned it, Peter was Galilean. He was one of the first ones chosen. And I just mentioned that Peter was told he was going to become a fisher of men. He was a fisherman. He knew what that meant. He, he could relate. He knew that Jesus was a rabbi. He understood when he saw the honor and respect that was to be given. So he, he took off. He, he didn't, he didn't hesitate either. If you notice, he didn't say, Peter said, give me a day. Let me figure it out. Or, you know, let me, let me sell my stuff. No, he just left everything and took off. He's like, yep, I'm good. Let's go. So he's impulsive. Peter was seen as the leader of the apostles and many occasions was their spokesman. Uh, we're, my family and I, we watch The Chosen every Sunday night together. We're way behind. So I'm sure as I talk about stuff, you're like, oh, I remember in The Chosen, and I hadn't gotten there yet. But something that stuck out to me was the episode when Jesus was talking about sending them out two by two. And they're in the meeting, you know, they're in the room talking and sharing. If you notice, Jesus is sitting there facing all the apostles, except Peter. Peter's beside him, kind of looking at Jesus, but also looking at the other apostles. And because, and then Peter, even at different times, is trying to help Jesus. Like, are you sure you, have you thought this through? Kind of, he didn't say that, but that's his attitude, right? He's like, now you're putting those two together. Have you thought this through yet? I mean, that's gutsy to tell Jesus. Have you thought about, have you really kind of considered? But that's Peter, right? Um, Besides Paul, Peter's probably the most influential leader in the New Testament. The same guy we're talking about right now. Um, Peter was the first to recognize Jesus as the living God. He was the first one that got the realization. It, it, he got it before anyone else. Peter was in the inner circle with James and John. They were the ones at the Mount of Transfiguration, and they were asked to follow Jesus deeper into the garden on the night of his betrayal. So Peter was somebody that Jesus really saw as worthy worth you know come come here i need you these other guys are you know i love them all but you three i need and peter was one of those three he was proud peter was he was impulsive as we've you know we've mentioned um john thirteen thirty seven. peter asked lord why why can't i follow you now i will lay down my life for you he was he was quick to, to speak those things um a lot of people can't say those words and mean it I think in this in this instance, Peter is like a lot of us. He's in a safe place, and so in that moment, he felt that way. He was in church, and so it's easy when you're in that moment to say, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely. I'll lay down. I'll lay down my life. No question. I, you know, yes. Well, it's like Sunday morning. Now, nothing's wrong with Sunday morning. I'm here. I am. But we're singing songs." We're sharing our faith. I'd love to hear the testimonies. Thank you. Um, I always enjoyed, and I think Rod was alluding to this, when Aaron and I were youth pastors, we would train for admission trips, and we'd always tell them, have a 10-minute testimony that you can pare down to five, that you can pare down to one minute. Three, three different versions of it. One that, obviously, you know, you're speaking in front of people, a five-minute quick testimony, and like Lola said, I'm doing this. Um, you got 30 seconds in an elevator. What, do you, what can you say that will impact somebody in that 30 seconds? 
So that's cool. I'm glad you that reminded me of that when y'all were doing that. And I think we should all have that. I'll have a quick testimony, and I I can give mine here and through this, um, because I messed up like Peter did all the time. Um, but anyways, um, we're singing songs, we're sharing faith. We're in, you know the presence is here. It's strong. It's easy to say, "Yep, I would die. I would lay down my life. I would never deny him. I would never do that. Never." But Peter had pride. What I find is funny, going back to the scripture, and I love it because I just, I can see it myself, right? So, Jesus says, before the night's over, the rooster's going to crow twice and you would have denied me three times before that moment. And Peter's like, you're wrong. Like, he's correcting Jesus. He's rebuking him in sin. Like he's saying, no, wait a minute. You're absolutely wrong. I know you think you think what you know, but no, I'm Peter. Emphatically, he says, if I must die, I'm going to die, but I ain't going to deny you. I'm here. And I just, I would love to see Jesus' face kind of like, just give it a minute, right? Because it didn't, it seems like just, I mean, just shortly thereafter, He's cursing at people. He's yelling, I don't know that guy. Who, me? I don't know. Um, I mean, that's not a long time to go from so prideful to correct Jesus and tell Jesus you're wrong to fulfilling what Jesus said emphatically. Three times Jesus asked Peter to pray, to watch over him and pray. And all three times Peter fell asleep. I can see Peter is being like, he's good. He doesn't need that. I'm tired. I'm going to go sleep. Takes a nap. Jesus comes back. What are you doing? Wake up. Watch. Pray. Goes back. Comes back. Again, they're asleep. He's like, Peter, what's wrong with you? And I really see Peter is just saying, who's going to mess with Jesus? He's good. He don't need me. I just, you know, I need to sleep. Something that stuck out, stick, stuck out to me this time when I've read this so many times is when the third time Jesus comes back and you know, you tell, you see the frustration in the words, right? And Jesus is like, you can't even stay awake for just a minute. Like, I need the prayer. You can't do it. And finally, the words Jesus says is, my time has come. And I wonder if that triggered anything in them because so many times in scripture, Jesus is saying, oh, my hour's not here yet. My hour's not, it's not my time. And now it's the hour has come. And I, I don't know if something that moment flipped a switch in them. They're like, wait a minute. Something's happening. Because then the proceedings happen of, of the beginning to arrest them to the point that Peter's willing to die. Instead, he's taking a sword and he's trying to cut people's heads off. Right? And the joke's always, the only reason he cut the guy's ears is because he missed. He was aiming for more. And, you know... So this is a guy who's willing to lay down his life, except when, <laughs> except when the going gets tough. Now he's pulling out swords, and Jesus had to calm him down. Um, Peter was dead to rights. He went down to the courtyards. They heard him talking. Immediately recognized he's Galilean, and they're like, oh, "I recognize that accent. You're not. You're not one of us. You're you're one of those guys." 
Even to the point the little, <laughs> I was chuckling, the little girl kept saying, no, it's him. You know, kids are adamant. They, they don't miss a beat. My kids love pointing out when I'm wrong to the point that the four-year-old's bringing back specific details, intricate details to make sure I know I was wrong. Um, I could see a little girl, oh, yeah, he, yeah he's, he's it. Absolutely. And he's just, you can see him getting fired up to the point, again, he's cursing. And then the rooster crows that third time. And I, I love Luke. I love how Luke uh, points it out because this is where it hits to me home. And he says, where they're talking in verse in Luke, we look at the 22, verse 60. But Peter says, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I think Peter remembering what Jesus said hit. But I got to think the eyes of Jesus looking at him. And I can tell you, Jesus wasn't looking at him. I, I know Jesus wasn't looking at him in an angry sense, in a judgmental sense. In a, he was looking at him in a sad sense of, I told you. But Jesus... I think knowing what was going on says, it's going to be tough for a little while, but I got you. And all of that caused Peter to run out and weep. Now, Judas did the same. But I think Judas really had no hope, right? He, I mean, he ended his life. That's, that's when you have no hope. I think Peter still had some. He didn't know where it was going to come from. He didn't know what was going to go on. So Peter said, well, I got to move on. People talk bad about Peter. Peter was the only one there. Right? I mean, there was nobody else out there. They all took off. They scattered. Peter loved, I mean, people love giving Peter a hard time. He, he fell in the water, but he also walked on it. Nobody else got out of the boat. That's Peter in a nutshell, right? How did Peter get there? Well, I think things began... When he stopped praying, Peter kind of thought, I'm, in, I'm with Jesus enough. I don't really need to pray. I'm good. And then when all the, the rest started taking place, it was ugly, right? I mean, it wasn't just like you come up, put a cuff, walk away. Like they were, they were physically abusive. They'd rough them up. I'm talking about Jesus, of course. And Peter is watching this. Now he's watching it from a distance. Right, he's backed up a little bit, but he's watching it. He's seeing it, which is why I think the fear started kicking in. Like, oh, I don't want to go through that. But that's Peter walking at a distance from Jesus. Enough to see what's hard, but far enough away to be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm back here now. I'm good. So he started, he stopped praying, stopped walking which allowed him to dwell on the things of the world. So when he was with the people who were involved and knew, he was quick to deny. Peter was obviously sorrowful, right? He, he went back and, and wept. And then everything happens. Not to gloss over it, but yeah. Jesus is crucified. He's put in the tomb. 
So what does Peter do? He goes fishing. Why not? He's a fisherman. So he's out fishing. And Jesus shows up on the shore and hollers out, hey, you catch anything? They're like, no, man, nothing. He's like, throw you net on the other side. So they throw on the other side. All of a sudden now the hall, the, you know, the hall is full, right? They, they've got so many. Light bulb goes off. Peter recognizes, they all recognize, but Peter recognizes that's Jesus. So they all calmly get the fish, they get the boat, they start going, you know, like, oh, let's go see Jesus. Except Peter. What does Peter do? He throws his garment on, because he's, you know, he's fishing, he throws something on, jumps in the water, and says, y'all are good, I'm out. Nothing's going to keep me or slow me down from chasing after Jesus. Now, why was Peter the only one that jumped out of that boat and took off? Because it meant more to him. Because he knew what he had done and saw an opportunity to repent. He saw an opportunity to reconcile. He saw an opportunity to take off, and nothing was going to hold him back. Nothing was going to slow him down. He didn't care about being dignified. He didn't care about staying dry. Nothing mattered. And the reason he got to that point was because he was willing to put himself in a place to fail. Now, he failed miserably. But that failure is also the reason he had a heart for Jesus. To me, he had a heart for Jesus enough to jump out of that boat and run and swim and chase and go. Let them be dignified. Let them be refined. Let them come in the boat calmly with all the fish. I don't care. None of that matters. It's all irrelevant. What's most relevant is my Lord is here and I'm going to go hug him. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go see his face. Talk to him. I've been there. You know, I, I like. I think we all have. We can all relate to that moment, but that doesn't define us. That doesn't define me. Um, I I sugarcoated a mess uh, something to a guy one time. He was atheist, and he asked, "What are y'all doing? We're going on a mission trip." And he says, "What are y'all doing?" I'm like, "Well, you know." We're going to feed these people, you know, give them clothing. You know, I really sugarcoated it. And that was, walking away was the moment where I saw Jesus looking at me. And I realized, oh, man, I, I messed that one up. Thankfully, Jesus gave me an opportunity later in life, and I made up for it. But I did not let it define me because Jesus is greater than that. He's greater than all our failures and all our betrayals and all our i mean if peter can literally do that and jesus tells him later follow me three times and then empowers peter to the point peter again is the most influential person in the new testament next to paul same guy same guy who says i'll die with you just kidding is the same guy that god turns around and empowers to be so influential and then like it was mentioned last week and then peter still got in trouble later paul still had to correct him it's Peter's like, oh, Gentiles are good. No, they're not. Yeah, they're good. Nope. You know, and Paul's like, come on now. You're talking out both sides of your mouth, right? That's really paraphrased, by the way. I would suggest go reading that. But Peter's still getting in trouble even after he's been empowered, right? And yet at the end, he dies a more gruesome death than most and doesn't even allow him to crucify him like Jesus because he didn't want that honor. He went from a guy who says, I will not, you know, I will lay down my life for you just kidding to, all right, 
do what you must, but don't do it like him because I'm not worthy of that. Put me upside down because I'm not, he's too great. I don't, I'm not worthy of the same type of death. That's a man who understood Jesus' forgiveness. That's a man that understood Jesus' grace. That's also a man that understood that I think through all this, Jesus, I mean, Peter truly loved Jesus. He was impulsive. He was crude. But I think one of the reasons Jesus always had Peter around him was because Jesus knew Peter loved him. Peter would chase after him. Peter wanted to please his father. And at the end of the day, I feel like he did. Were there bumps? Sure. Were there you know, things in the way? Sure. We've all, like I said, we've all, and that's why I like Peter. We've all been where Peter is at some point. The good and the bad, hopefully. If not the good, hey, make it happen this week. Get a testimony. Go share. But as we approach Easter and we talk about the denial and we talk about all the things, don't, don't ever miss the fact that Peter did end up being an incredible man of God because he was willing to repent, because he was willing to reconcile with the Lord. And then it was after that where the Lord says, all right, now you're ready. You've been through the trial. You've been through the fire. You've been burned a little bit. you got the scars to prove it. Good. Use those scars to go and, and share who I am. And it's sometimes we need the scars in order to truly share who, who Jesus is. Uh, I wouldn't say go chasing after them. Well, they'll find you. But don't ignore them. And don't try to act like it's not there. Allow Jesus to work through whatever it is and then use that as a testimony to share who Jesus is and what he's done. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for your willingness to lay down your life. I thank you that you allow us to be a part that we can walk with you, we can talk with you, and we can serve you. That you empower us to do what you want us to do. And that we get to see your goodness every day. I pray that we don't stop praying. I pray that each of us don't walk with you at a distance. And I pray that if we do, you put people in our, in our walk to remind us of what we should be doing. I pray that we don't ignore our scars, we don't ignore our past, but we use it to glorify you. That we use this, the, the, the times that you have freed us to share with others that freedom. To share what you've done in our lives with a passion and an excitement that will only bring bring glory to you. So I just thank you. I thank you for using a man like Peter and allowing him to be transparent enough to let us see what happened so that we can learn from it and that we can identify with it. And I just thank you for your grace and for your mercy for your willingness to never let us stay in that place, but to grow, to repent, to reconcile, and to walk with you. So I just pray today that we're all encouraged, we're all ready to do whatever it is you call us to do, 
And I just thank you again for your willingness to allow us to be a part, to be a part of your ministry and to be a part of the great commission that you've given us. So I just thank you. I praise you. And it's your name we pray. Amen.